Welcome to the Liz Soko podcast. I'll do um, an introduction via Zoom call with Lisa Grail later on, but I just wanted to introduce her and introduce the podcast before kind of entering conversation. I don't do sponsorships. This is all free content designed to uplift your spirit and kind of awaken your mind. So I appreciate um, the likes and subscribes. Keep them coming because I really want to keep doing this type of stuff for... um, the future being, and I need support to be doing that, I guess. And if you have people who would be a good addition to this podcast, please send them on over and I would love to interview them on their topic of choice, um, passion projects, all of these sorts of things. So without further ado, here's a podcast with Lisa Grell, Kundalini teacher and music artist. Welcome to the Liz Soko podcast. Today we have Lisa Grail, who is a Kundalini teacher, music artist, and overall spiritual wellness educator. Um, I found her while I was doing a Kundalini course, and I decided to reach out to her on Instagram, and she replied immediately. And I realized that we have this same name, Elizaveta, and she's also Russian. She's actually located in St. Petersburg right now for this podcast recording. And I was really excited to see how open she was about her struggles with mental health and also with how yoga helped her to kind of um, evolve into a spiritual being and to embody her soul. So I will um, allow her to explain her story more and how she got into Kundalini yoga and how she got into becoming a conscious creator for daily content on YouTube. You can add her, subscribe to her channel. And um, yes, so Lisa Grail, tell us more about yourself. Hello, I'm Lisa Grail. Thank you for having me today. Frankly speaking, I was trying to uh, record some new talks on my YouTube as well. And maybe I manifested you. For my help because when the conversation is in dialogue it's much more easier to have much more insights on the way so um, I want to represent you to my audience as well because I have a lot of beautiful yogis on my channel and maybe they will be interested to find out some more information Lisa, Lisa, Elizabeth, <laughs> is living in New York City, and I'm very jealous because I love New York. She is a spiritual developer. I guess that I'm correct. If not, please correct me. And she is Hatha yoga teacher and a brilliant writer and a podcast owner and a healer. Yes, am I right? You're healing right. as well. A Reiki healer or uh, other type? Um, I mean, I'm getting into more energetics and breath work. Um, I think everything's connected after you get to a certain level. Um, you see that everything is essentially energy and that even our thoughts are energy. So I guess you can go through all the labels, but I just like to say that I'm like um, like a facilitator for wellness and all of those sorts of things. <laughs> you make lives of people easier yes the spiritual path easier yes okay correct and uh, about your question my name is lisa grail grail of course is not my real second name i was born in russia in st petersburg in late 80s i'm almost 32 years old I can believe it and frankly speaking it's very hard for me to um, speak about myself um 
identifying me with some kind of profession or kind of role in society because in the recent six months I experienced some kind of things uh, which we are going to talk about later that I have never experienced before and uh, after these experiences I can tell that I'm just Lisa personality or body that makes music or sings or teaches Kundalini Yoga I can say that um, something happens, something creates, <laughs> something listens, talks, and um, develops. And this way is endless. That's why I can't uh, put myself in some kind of frames which are very stable. I'm changing and new information comes each day. So that's me, I'm here, as you see me, maybe your perception will be different to the other people's perception of me, <laughs> but I know that I am. Okay, I like that explanation because people in America love to stick to titles like, I have this and, and this is my patent and I've, I've studied here and this is my teacher and this is my guru and I'm kind of like, yes, but like, who's inside, <laughs> like, what else, you know, like, like, what's the, um, who, who is the person who journeyed through all of these different labels? And that's kind of how I see myself as well, which is interesting that um, rather than saying oh, I'm this or that, I'd rather post the content and share the information or share the art and let that speak for me. And I see that you do the same. So how did you first awaken? Let's say that. Uh, my spiritual path began mm, from the very beginning, or just how my first experience happened. Because well, I felt the first very, time you were like, yes, the the most uh, um, like um, when I understood what's going on, <laughs> nobody was to understand this. <laughs> okay, um, it happens. I don't know what was the cause of this process and when it started because I know that it's very prolonged in time process but this shift appeared um, I think before New Year yes it was like uh, in the um, in the shop <laughs> right <laughs> right in the shop um, to talk about this, I want to identify one thing from the other to understand that we are talking about the same things because there are a lot of experience. The uh, current is penetrating all my body, I feel the energies, I see angels and so on. <laughs> so it's rather different things. I'm talking exactly <laughs> about what is called uh, in Buddhism, in Hinduism, it's called enlightenment or uh, satori experiences and you know about samadhi, samadhi experiences. Um, after this experience I can state that this was much more like satori, the first recognition of um, this separation from the perception of myself like I'm personality or without ego being, the state of silence which uh, can be cannot be described. Uh, it was lasting about maybe five minutes first first time, and I felt myself mm, 
it's not the uh, correct word because there was nobody to analyze what is going on. It was just the pure perception in time. And it was like um, in lucid dreams because when I was practicing, I woke up inside the dream and I understood that I'm lying in the bed, but I'm in dream at the same time and everything's super real. And uh, uh, the sounds were like embracing and pumping the air, and they were just like, just like I'm not in the body, but I'm everywhere at the same time. And uh, the picture of what I see was really bright and unreal and real. And I thought, and there was some kind of thought that what's going on, what was happening, <laughs> where am I? So it was, it happened right in the shop, in the crowded place. And I was looking at people staring like crazy. <laughs> and yes, it, it was just insane. I was afraid first. And then I was listening to Satsangs. Uh, have you listened to Satsangs? Heard about course, yeah. meetings? Mm -hmm. Yes. This is called the meeting with yourself. Just masters uh, sits and everybody asks questions and there are plenty of masters in Russia, in Ukraine, and also I know in America. Uh, the most famous Robert Adams, and I'm listening to his satsangs uh, before going to sleep, <laughs> and um, he describes these things. That's why uh, after it happened, I understood what was going on. But in the, at that moment, there were no uh, thoughts. I couldn't feel. It's like I couldn't think. <laughs> It's really interesting. And after this, um, I have more long experiences and write in cafe with my friends when we were just talking about common things. And uh, at some moment, I understand that what's happening? Uh, is, he, is he for real? He was so serious talking about his things and I thought, Wow, are you seriously? You believe that it's happening? <laughs> and also the picture was very bright, colorful, and uh, the sounds were very embracing and warm. I know I can't explain it, but at that moment there was no ego and no personality at all. And I uh, imagined if someone would insult me or kick me or beat me, I wouldn't care at all. I, don't, I won't care because nobody can be hurt and nobody <laughs> can be offended. So it's very, very cool um, feeling of freedom. And this is what is happening from time to time. But of course, Lisa appears again with her, with her traumas, appears again and again. And all I have to do is only to observe this thoughts and ask myself, is this really my thoughts or is this the problems of ego which should be cleansed? So some kind of idea of this. I had no extraordinary experiences, no visions, no angels, no God's voice. <laughs> 
I, I haven't such kind of experience. Just this pure being with no thoughts. Mm. And that's it. When you are there, you understand that this is uh, correct. Not, not correct, but this is your natural state of perception. It's a real perception, which we all had when we were just little kids. And then this ego programs when we were named Lisa, you Lisa, and you Lisa. And we began playing these roles and wearing these masks to be accepted by society, not to be rejected. So we keep on playing almost every each day of life until the end of life. Most of people, unfortunately, do these things. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I've definitely had experiences like this um, where essentially your consciousness goes to source, source consciousness, mm-hmm. and you are detached from thoughts, thought forms, emotions, um, and the physical body. And you just become essentially like a light, like a, like a photon, like a light being. And... Um, My experience was actually like, I've had a lot of experiences like this, to be honest. Like when I was like 16, 17, like I would just be laying in bed and I would almost have like out of body experiences um, just through meditation. And I was like, and I was like, there's something more. And then I would just continue to meditate. I had like little tarot cards. I was really um, investing myself in spiritual lectures online And then just this summer, I had a deeper awakening. Um, I don't know if you experienced something too with like COVID, um, but I experienced a complete dissolution of identity. And yeah, it was, for me, it was like freaky, but also relief because I had this identity of like a perfectionist, overachiever, competitive, very, very masculine And then finally, when I like had this sort of like dissolution and seeing polarity from a point of non-being and I just felt this relief, like, wow, I don't need to be any of this. Like I can just meditate and just talk about spirituality and just create. And then that's exactly what I started doing. And then I created a new identity for myself. It wasn't Elizabeth Sokolovsky, like blah, blah, blah. Like this, this girl being called to the principal's office or like whatever <laughs> words. All of a sudden, it became like a conscious being who has the ability to change her life, essentially. Change her energy, um, interact with beautiful people who I never would have probably met otherwise if my energy hadn't gotten here. So um, I think the process is very, very scary even if you have a lot of resources and information, because we're not used to those sensations in our body. And we're not taught that there's another level of experience, that there's a deeper perception available to us. These things aren't accessible to the average person. So um, I think it's a lot more common with YouTube and with a lot of like bloggers talking about this, like even this podcast is made for awakening. But in general, expect to be afraid because fear is a barrier to deeper perception. So you will have to confront your fear and you will have to feel fear at its most powerful level. But once you feel it and you see, oh, I'm not even afraid of this fear, then you transcend the mind. Because the mind is almost constructed around fear, right? Yes. I, I, I think you had the, what is called uh, the dark night of soul. 
maybe when we are scared to to die because this is the, the death the death of ego the death of this mask of personality and of course it's very scary when i was practicing one technique it's called sitting technique just you sit with your closed eyes about two hours without movement and then uh, after an hour of such sitting <laughs> I um, had the panic attack. I was nearly attacked by thoughts, where am I, who am I, and I will disappear right now. Mm-hmm. And it was a great panic, but I want to repeat this uh, kind of technique because I think that I was near the gates <laughs> to heaven. <laughs> Sorry, I'm making a better connection, but I'm listening. Yes, the sitting technique, and then you experienced, um, you experienced a lot of thoughts coming all at once, right? Yes, they they appear and go away, appear and go away, and you just observe in this thoughts, and then they completely disappear, and you are in the silence, in emptiness. And in uh, yoga, it's called shunya, shunya, complete, absolute silence. Yes. Mm. And it's very scary. (laughs) Yes, um, I've had this, but I learned how to see the silence as beautiful. I learned how to see the silence as the final goal, whereas for the um, agitated mind, silence is a scary place, right? Yes. And um, how did you learn to kind of live in silence, especially being in a loud city? You know, I uh, studied enlightenment, read books of Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now, New Planet, about four years ago. (laughs) But you know, my consciousness, uh, my mindset was not ready for this information. I understood the idea of living in the moment here and now to concentrate on things, the dynamic meditation, while I'm doing, doing my daily tasks, washing dishes. Uh, I was in this state, but I couldn't catch the the true meaning of this uh, concept. And after I started to listen to satsangs and concentrate um, with technique, attention on attention, do you know such technique? Mm -hmm. When you are just uh, watching object, all your attention is on the object, but you have no judgments, no evaluations, you're just watching the pure watching of something. And I started to train my attention on attention this autumn. It happened four months ago. So I trained myself each day because I was very interested what will be happening. Maybe I will wake up <laughs> in this dream. And it worked, yes. I think that this is uh, what helped me to uh, be in this silence and now I uh, train myself at each moment if I have a dialogue with my friends I uh, just kind of looking at from the outside and uh, pay attention that the hearing is just happening the talking is just happening that no, no one talks it's just like words that are appearing from nowhere and going nowhere so it's kind of a state of observer or witness who is just watching that everything is here and now 
And this mm. silence follows me everywhere. Sometimes when I have many tasks, I forget to concentrate. I have many thoughts. It's like um, more um, organizational thoughts. And my mind is working hard. I cannot uh, um, move myself in this space. But when I'm calm, when I'm at home, for example, I'm relaxed. And then it's easy for me to be high because it's a really high state. And some friends I live with my music brother. We are writing music together. And sometimes I can look at one point and he asks me, is it all right? Are you okay? Please. <laughs> and I can sit in the silence just watching for an hour maybe. For me it's comfort, it's not boring, it's wonderful, it's very exciting. It's like you never see the world before and mm -hmm. that's it. So I'm training myself attention on attention and it helps me. Of course the Kundalini Yoga meditations as well. Sometimes I have this expansion of my body, feelings, But um, I guess that even more helps attention on tension. Mm. Yes. Um, after my, like, kind of dissolution, I was very, 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 very... I was living at a subtle state of thoughts. So seeing my thoughts, like, I'm like, shit, this is really bad. Like, And then you start to see how negative the mind is. Yes. Yes. And Yes, it's it's scary at first for like a few months. You're going to be like, wow, I'm an awful person. I have so much shame, guilt, regret, etc. And these are all very normal things to be experiencing. I just want people to know because no one talks about what the, what the transitional state is to pure awareness. And the transitional state is going through all the bullshit that you learned and that's programmed in your mind. And you essentially start to see how negative you are, um, how you project on people based on um, your relationship with your parents and how you um, relate to people and how much jealousy you have. And then essentially I started the way that I processed those things was to say that wasn't me. That was a false identity. Um, that wasn't the real me. I forgive myself and I can change this behavior. Um, and then I joined, well, I went to an ashram to get my yoga certification. And then there I kind of learned transcendental meditation and this focusing on one point, but it, within the mind and mm -hmm. focusing on mantras and yes, focusing. It's the same, it's the same. Yes, it's the same. Absolutely the same. And there's a difference between Buddhism and like yogic Hinduism, but they're actually all getting to the same point of focused awareness. Um, yes, I, I haven't explored Buddhism so much, but I'm getting into it. I do think that the yogic form of meditation works really well for me because I find that connecting to like a deity or, or, or a benevolent force really helps me to um, feel it in, within. And it's not about saying the words when you're repeating mantras, it's more about feeling the energy of the words and yes yes it's like the vibration the sound wave and if you repeat one sound one word it's easy to uh, stop thinking so mm -hmm. that's the point of all mantras they work like this mm -hmm. yes <laughs> and 
what Lisa was talking about in the beginning when she was saying like her first awakening, her satori was in a food shop and she realized like, what is my relation to these people? What is my relation to these elements on the outside of me? Am I really, am I really just essentially made of carbon elements? And she said, no, I can shift in turn. I can shift my awareness in this body and we all shift awareness throughout the day without knowing it, but we're shifting at a very, very narrow spectrum. We're just shifting from negative to fake positive, negative, fake positive, negative, fake positive. But once you get into mindfulness and yoga, you see that there's a whole other spectrum on the other side of consciousness. <laughs> and um, it's not, it's only, it's common only to kind of like, yogis and even Russian Orthodox priests, because I was raised in Russian Orthodox religion, those guys is doing the same thing that gurus are doing, right? They're repeating prayers daily, fasting, focusing on words. It's the same exact thing. And we reserve those kinds of states of consciousness for other people saying, oh, this is not possible for me. But until you have that awakening, you're going to be lazy and attached to just the physical world and that narrow spectrum of emotions. So what I want to ask Lisa is how, how do you begin to explore your broad spectrum of awareness? How can you begin to see um, that you can experience different sensations within Oh, it's a very easy question. I um, unfortunately and luckily at the same time, I had severe depression about three years ago. And I've never been in such a bottom before in this negativity. I guess that my negative thinking, my negative mind um, uh, led me to these neural connections when the chemicals in my brain changed and there was no way back and I fell deep down and um, became vegetable but thanks to Kundalini Yoga in just seven days I uh, rose my vibrations drastically so only after I was there I began intuitively understand that this is my mindset negative mindset that led me to the state and I uh, have this habit to observe my thoughts since then, not to fall down again, because I won't be there <laughs> anymore. And also, a very positive state of mind is the same as negative, it's duality. And uh, I know that, um, I understood that uh, the more precious state of mind is neutral mind, when you accept everything as one. So no matter is it negative or positive, even uh, if you feel joy, you need to feel it much from um, without this extraordinary uh, feel of joy, like going insane, insane and crying, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> without this uh, extra potential. So um, now I clearly see when I, um, the most Inherent to me is emotions of bitterness and when my expectations uh, don't came to reality and um, maybe um, 
Yes. Maybe bitterness is the most inherent to me. I'm like a drama queen. <laughs> I used to love to suffer so much. I know that um, until we want to, um, as long as we want to suffer to play this drama, it will be happening again and again. But when we will be uh, done with this, when we will truly understand that we don't need this drama anymore, then we begin to work on ourselves and start this great inner job and asking ourselves to help ourselves because I don't believe in gurus, in teachers, they only like uh, arrows that show direction and uh, all the truth is inside always. So I, in this uh, understanding, I don't even believe in God because for me, God, this is we because we are not bodies, we are not personalities, who we are with this global consciousness that states what is happening. So for me, I don't even believe in God. I know that I'm God. Not Lisa, but, but me, real. When this body will die, I will return to the state of neutral mind without where it's just silence. And maybe there will be thought from somewhere that what was it? What was the dream about it? And of Lisa who is trying to do something and so on. So I, I don't That's know really what was the question. <laughs> but this tends to happen on my podcast. We're like, ooh, we go off in that direction. <laughs> but I think that's why it's beautiful. I think that's what the world needs because every time I have these like very material questions, they end up becoming completely abstract. And that's great because that's also necessary. You know, you cannot just live with these concrete definitions. And that's what happened with religion and dogma because people is looking at the book, like this is a book, this will help me. No, that's not what it's there for. It's there for to go inside of you vibrationally and at, at the subtle mental wavelength. Um, of course, I wouldn't understand this three years ago. Don't get me wrong. Like I was never like this. I was living in, I was living in a completely egotistical world. I was in fashion school. I was like trying to like be at the top as an advertising person because I thought that's what success meant. I really did, you know, with all of the shows and movies and all of these songs and things. And then I, I started to write poetry around like junior year of college and actually I published my book but that we'll save that for the end um the I started to write poetry yeah the heart things yes it's called the heart things yes the heart things yes and it's all about my journey to heart awakening so how I followed my intuitive downloads to um awaken to a deeper level of beingness um, it's very abstract, so I don't expect a lot of people to buy it. But the people who do will be like, this girl knows. <laughs> and I started writing that book just as I was awakening, but I had no clue what I was saying. It was like my fingers were typing it, but I wasn't registering it. Because if I was registering it, I would not be doing those things. So I saw it as a form of self-preservation. Like my ego is like needed to be alive to function in that society. Yes. But then eventually... I was like, I don't need to be a part of this society if I don't want. And then I, I just stepped into the other intuitive side of like the poetry and the feminine and um, 
I definitely also don't believe in God as like a figurehead or a person, obviously not a person, but I do, I do believe in like angels and light beings. And I just read, um, autobiography of a yogi by Yogananda and his explanations, like the, um, yoga of India actually does, um, certain enlightened beings did experience deities from the astral realm and what we would call angels in the Christian religion. And there are light beings working for the benefit of the planet. And there are um, essentially entities guiding us to higher consciousness. I do 100% believe that because I felt guided my whole life. Like um, I've been through some like pretty negative shit and never, there was never a time where I was like, um, this is your fate. There was never a time I had that in my heart. I was like, this is a false reality. This will all end. And ironically, at age 23, I knew that at age 23, everything was going to end. And it did. It was just like a a wipe slate. And then I knew that all of these messages I had been getting my whole life was from essentially the angelic realm or the astral realm and just all of the books I was guided to read on consciousness. Like I would find books on the ground type of thing. I would find find (laughs) Yes. I would find books on consciousness and all of these things on the ground. And I'd walk into stores and my, and my hands would be called to a book. And, and, you know, I I just listened to that part of me. And then when people were like, you're doing something wrong or, or trying to be, have power over me, I was like, okay, you can have power over me, but just wait. (laughs) I was like, just wait until no one can have power over me. So I kind of waited out my period, you know, it's hard being young and people always wanting to have power over you, especially as a child. I'm sure you've had that experience. People always being like, you're a kid. What do you know? What do you know? And it's like, I know way more than you know because you're suffering, you know? So so never doubt yourself if you feel like you're worthy of happiness and bliss because that's the first step to true awakening, I think, really. Yes, you know, about the poetry, I have some poem um, written in Russian about seven years ago and only now I understand the meaning of this poem because it's absolutely about enlightenment. It's like the suffering doesn't exist because we are uh, all built of pure light, light, and uh, this is only lessons, and the earth is like school. Because uh, I also believe in some kind of um, high vibrational essences like angels and uh, guiders, because frankly speaking, human beings is just uh, 50-50, 50% animals. And we see it around, so it's normal. That's why now I'm not judging other people because I know that everyone is on his own level of development right now and it's not bad because I also, um, maybe at school, I was very spiritual and I have a magical mindset and I make entire reading also since I'm eight (laughs) and so on, but I was really far from what I know right now. And I'm 32, you are 23, and I think that age um, doesn't mean that so much. This is um, um, different levels of uh, karmic lessons which are carried out, 
and the level of soul development. And if we read Michael Newton, do you know about this regressive hypnotherapist uh, who um, wrote books, uh, Life Between Lives, and uh, he had clients whom he was uh, leading on the regressive trip in the past lives and so on. Mm -hmm. And he says that, yes, we have all uh, different levels and uh, even different coloring of our aura and so on. And it's normal. No one is better. No one is uh, worse. Just it's balanced, I think, I think. Mm -hmm. But sooner or later, we will leave this place and uh, we'll experience some kind of lives in other bodies or we'll have no bodies. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And the fact that you're saying um, not judging others. Um, initially, after Satori, um, which you describe as the Buddhism term for initial awakening, so awareness of a higher reality, um, a higher existence. So usually people fall into judging other people who are not aware of that existence. And you see people in the train and you're like, what are you doing with your life? And, and you know what? The only thing that that does is build up negativity inside of you. That's the only thing it does. And that's fine. That's also part of journey. But I'm just saying that if you're there, listen to this advice that um, try to transmute that energy into helping guide people, help guide people to um, embrace more wholeness, embrace more collectivity. Um, it might not work, but at least vibrationally you're sending out that energy rather than keeping up this negative inside of your heart, which essentially just hurts you. Um, I learned the hard way <laughs> because you, how you said your negative tendency was bitterness. My negative tendency was judgment. Oh, similar vibration. But for me, I was kind of just like, why, why are these people like older and why are these people manipulative and why are these people not listening to God, God, or why are these people not um, listening to the youth who actually has really good ideas for the future? And I had all of this judgment inside of me. And then I was like, is my judgment going to help the situation? No. Um, judgment is a useful energy at a very, very low vibration of survival in the animal world. But other I than that, I call it spiritual ego. Yes, that's exactly what it is. A spiritual ego of righteousness, of I'm doing the right thing and you messed up and, and whatever. I talked about this on another podcast as well. So it's very common for intuitives to develop this. Um, it's a form of secondary protection when you're waking up, which which might be a necessary aspect. Yes, it might be necessary. Yeah, yeah and, and that's fine. If you're at the spiritual ego, that's completely fine. You're still on the right path. Um, eventually, you will also shed that and you will embrace the the fact that you are interacting with people who are a mirror to yourself and... It's, it's another body, but it's, it's also just another consciousness. And your consciousnesses are like um, feeding off of each other, essentially. Yes, it's the same uh, global consciousness, but uh, which is um, performed in the other form. 
I think uh, this is the real truth. If it exists somewhere, <laughs> I don't know where is the truth, and it can change maybe. <laughs> but yes, I guess that we uh, shouldn't blame ourselves for the negative emotions as well, and we should express them as long as they appearing, because if we'll, we'll be suppressing them, it's not a good idea, because it may cause illnesses, and I know that you know about these things. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, for example, I uh, couldn't express my anger. I even thought that I'm so kind that I have no anger at all. Only bitterness, the state of victim, being offended, and I have no aggression, no anger at all. But when I started to make practices of Kundalini Yoga and made kriyas of ego, or not ego, anger, expulsion, wow, it was a hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> and I found myself like a warrior that I will kill someone I want to fight yes that's me as well and when I accepted the dark side which also of course in me because we're living in this duality um, I calmed down because I said okay let it be today I'm angry tomorrow I will be maybe in apathy but I will observe these states, I will live, I will live them through right in the moment so they can burn me out and I feel them and then they will leave like clouds on the sky appear and it's raining and tomorrow it will be sunny day. It's all very natural uh, things because it's all about our earth. We are living in such conditions and um, I don't think it's necessary to fight for only light, to be very pure and kind. This is not a good idea because um, Jesus Christ uh, was very angry when some merchants were selling something inside the church and he cried at them. He was very angry, blaming them. What the hell are you doing here? Get out of this church! So even if you are enlightened, you can express uh, anger if you feel that other person won't understand otherwise. Sometimes we have to express anger to help with love. With deep love, we express anger to help other person to grow and not because we are angry creatures. Yes, I love that because, yes, we're taught to repress emotions for sure. I think that's stronger in America. That's very enforced idea here that anything that isn't like beautiful, shiny or positive is um, you can't talk about it. You can't even you can't even confront it in your mind that that's where the conditioning and like essentially brainwash comes in, because you can't be so deluded as to your nature um, that you can't even see reality. That's the truth. When you don't see those things in yourself, you have a blockage in your perception when you're um, observing reality. And that's dangerous because then you're um, sticking to a very, very narrow perception of the truth. Um, and anger is part of the truth. Anger is part of the truth. God gets angry all the time. Look at the storms and natural disasters, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a part of our nature to have negative emotions. Um, there are methods, like we can talk about this after in Kundalini Yoga, where you can release them in a natural way. I know that for me, it's running and weightlifting. Um, 
might, might as well turn it into something positive, right? Use the, all of that um, magnitude of energy and transform it into love. And that's kind of my main philosophy. Like those negative emotions actually push me in my art and trying to like impact the world. Like if I didn't have those negative emotions, I would be just sitting here drinking lemonade, you know, not doing anything. But the the beautiful thing about negative emotions is that they can actually push us to create and transform and um, change the future, essentially. Um, what's your advice on when people first encounter their negativity? My advice is, first of all, to start asking yourself who is experiencing these emotions, mm-hmm. to observe them from the outside like schizophrenia when crazy a little bit because if you are totally attached to these emotions you have no possibility to look more objectively what's going on but of course hormone system works so that we have this adrenaline and adrenaline and uh, it's hard for ourselves to keep us in the state of harmony at the same time but we need to learn because it's possible after one time and then another when appear negative state negative emotion you just try as um, hard as you can to separate with these emotions to look from the outside and ask yourself who is experiencing who is suffering is there anybody to suffer is this you real or only this mask that in which you are living all your life mm-hmm. so this is the first step i guess and i still use this for myself because i have this cleansing of mental garbage i see it from the outside this is offense yes offense the most uh, hard scene of myself i'm expecting much from people and uh, from myself, I have very big demand to others and to myself. I'm perfectionist, and it's hard for me to accept someone's uh, lies or um, lack of responsibility when someone doesn't do what he promised to do, and so on. Mm-hmm. And I just watch from uh, the outside, and then I see that the reason is in me always. It's not the problem of the person. He can behave towards me as he likes and it's not his problem. This is the first step, of course. And um, when it will be cleansed out, I think naturally it will become easier. The neural connections in brain, the type of thinking will change and then it will be um, another state of mindset, they call so. Yes, I definitely went through this. Um, of course, I was like watching satsangs. I'm a big fan of Muji and Osho, Sadhguru, all of these kind of mystical guys. They give me a lot of comfort because they're kind of like abandon the whole system, everything you were taught, because going back there will bring you down to a lower vibration because the identity that you had there is a negative aspect of yourself. So don't look there for answers. Look um, within. And once I looked within and I'm very connected to my heart space, I've always been very like heart oriented. Um, but I did have a lot of blockages in my mind. Um, once again, I'm also a perfectionist and I also am a control freak. So, but I'm starting to see that those are actually, those are actually conditioned qualities. I don't think that we are naturally like this. 
I think that at a natural state, we're accepting and we flow. But those when when things are conditioned, such as perfectionism, that's based on an illusion of suppression. So this idea, perfectionism equals suppression, essentially, because perfectionism is only looking for everything, 100% light, positivity, great, you know, no mistakes, all of this stuff. Yeah. And that, that is not our true self. So I saw that this is not my true self. My true self is like, if I want to scream, I will scream. If I want to like go running, (laughs) if I want to run eight miles, I'm going to run eight miles. If I want to just, um, lay in bed and be melodramatic like that's also fine I don't have to be nine to five on a schedule doing planner and all of this stuff but it was very difficult for me to step out of the systematic routine um but what helps with doing that is truly art I have to say that art is one of the most powerful 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 things to not only awaken your heart but also to step out of the routine and to step out of um, the time, the illusion of time and space. Like, oh, right now, the rest of the world is doing this. I have to be wow. working and raising a family. And it's like, realistically, like, you don't have to do that. That's just economically convenient to the country that you were born in. And then I saw that and I was just like, you know what? Economically, I don't give a shit. And like, <laughs> in reality, <laughs> in reality, this is just not true. I'm not a perfectionist. Actually, I'm really good at giving the illusion of perfection. I'm really good at this, but that's not the real, that's not the real me anyways. So why am I hiding behind this kind of, it was, it was a huge blockage control and perfectionism. And, you know, sometimes I'm surrounded, like our friends are sometimes doing those things and we feel, we feel like we're ready to run after them, but then you become stronger in awareness, stronger in being present stronger being artistically um, expressive, stronger in just being in the truth. And then you, you um, switch from that side over to this side. And then eventually you're gonna go back and forth, back and forth. And, and then the distance that you have here from the normal societal requirements and your newfound awareness, it's be, gonna become so strong that you'll see this as unnecessary and you'll just be here. And that's kind of what it is for me. Um, I'm still going back and forth. Of course, I'm still trying to figure out how to use social media for my benefit. And I'm sure you are. But Lisa, tell us more about how you experienced um, separating from societal requirements and finding your own individual awareness. Oh, it started maybe at 23 at your age. You know, I was working at Toyota, social manufacturing as logistics specialist for five years and in parallel I was doing music I'm very uh, I was very conform person a very good girl who had red diploma from University of Culture and Arts and so on I was very nice but I suppressed a lot of emotions and myself I um, I was doing things that I was told to do by my parents and it seemed to me that it's okay because they advised me only the best things. <laughs> but when I met this guy who is living <laughs> in that room and with whom we, uh, we were making music and we were a couple and then we broke up. He was vegetarian and very spiritual. He was like a teacher for me uh, and he hated system 
and this society that you should be this, you should go to office and gain money to make your living. And I was uh, um, working a lot. I was exhausted by this work because it's very responsible. And um, then we, maybe it was transurfing of reality, reality transurfing by Vadim Zeland. We discovered this book which teaches us to manifest reality, to be out of this system, like out of matrix. And I was so inspired that I began, uh, I was a real vegan at that time. I uh, gave up all bad habits and eating and the first fasting experiences uh, came out of this. And uh, I was in protest. So I was a fighter, then I want to kill this, like, this is very um, painful exit from the system. Now I don't care. COVID, uh, quarantine, what is <laughs> happening in the world, I don't care because I have my moments in which I'm doing my favorite things and I have this very kind and calm and accepting mind. And then uh, when I was shocked that I can live other way, wow, it was very surprising for me. And that's why I was in protest and in fanatic states like I'm real vegan, stop poisoning yourself, stop eating meat and so on. Now I'm uh, almost uh, prana, uh, like breatharian. <laughs> I eat a very small quantity of food at one time and sometimes if I want to eat fish I can eat fish I um, I'm not eating meat about nine years maybe if I feel like my body needs uh, shrimps I will eat shrimps so I just uh, listen to myself and uh, maybe this is freedom from society and this identity yourself with society when you understand that it's possible to live without food because I had experience of fasting, dry fasting, seven days, when I was not eating something and drinking something. Seven days. They say we can live only two days without uh, water. It's uh, lies. So I, when I experienced it, uh, I understood that I can. That's why everything is possible. And you gain this sense of freedom, which uh, calms you down and you become more accepting what is going on in society and you don't want to fight to change something because you know that you will be alive as long as uh, your scenario on this planet is not finished. Because I believe that we, um, this personality, this body have no control and uh, seems like everything just happens randomly holistically and then uh, yeah, when yeah. time comes you can die easily um, from some silly thing and no matter how I care about myself about my health I can die every day and I'm ready to die just at which second I am ready to die because I know that it's not the end because <laughs> I was never born and I will never die because this is actually not me and that's uh, how I went from this uh, system and uh, I gained freedom, individuality, individual part of me. Yes, I have some expressions, some habits, but 
people around say that I'm very different and uh, each day I'm different. They can't understand me. Maybe someone thinks that I'm insane, maybe, but I don't mind. It's their opinion. Someone maybe uh, thinks that I'm very aggressive and even brutal. Yes, they say that I need to be more feminine or some kind of this. But this is also me. I don't want to change myself. So I, yeah. I think that I'm free of uh, judgments of other people because I trust myself. I trust uh, who am I, what I know, what the way was behind and what is... So I am very open-minded, I think. And this is my identification. I'm different. <laughs> I like that um, for so long. I mean, I did classical ballet, typical Russian, but that is the worst of the worst for a perfectionist, you know? So for so long, I had this, yes, I had this mindset of like nail everything, like fit in the costume, like all of this stuff. Like I'm not, I'm not a feminine woman. I'll give you that. Like only now am I starting to be more feminine. Like I was never feminine. Yeah, I was always more masculine. Um, or I was either masculine or neutral. I was never like, um, I tried that stuff for so long, like full makeup, going out, like wearing these dresses that I literally hate. And um, I was miserable. I was miserable. I was totally miserable. Um, I really just wanted to be in yoga clothes all day, eating like pineapples, you know, <laughs> like talking to cool people, um, writing books, all of this stuff is eventually came out of me but don't forget that when you have a heart calling to specific things and you don't listen to it you're building up the wrong inertia you're building up dark inertia um and it's it's tamas it's opposing your truth um i was i was well aware of it too when it was happening i was just like i don't know what the other option is and i'm also afraid of the other option like you said with um, reading that book, uh, Exiting the Matrix. Like, I had no idea what the other option is. And I pretended like I knew because I was like, <laughs> it was, it was, because I'm very smart, so I can intellectualize anything. So I was intellectualizing consciousness as if I was conscious. And then, and then it actually hit me, and I was like, I don't know anything. I was like, I really don't know anything. Um, I was acting like I knew things as a form of self defense. And no one actually knows anything. No human that I've met actually knows anything for certain, even the brightest, most brilliant person. Um, so I was like, first of all, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna um, listen to people's opinions as much because they also don't know. But I'm also not gonna listen to my mind as much because it also doesn't know. So, <laughs> so it was like, so what actually knows my heart? And that sounds very cliche, like oh whatever, you know, but. If people are trying to be happy and they don't have access to their heart, how, how do they actually think that that's going to work? How did I actually think that I would be happy listening to my mind? Right. And that's the whole essence of spirituality. It's, it's just it's a complete illusion. This idea that if you listen to the expectations in your mind, which um, for you is being a good girl and having a victim mentality and the same for me and, and, and ballet and, and having high grades, did I really think that if I was going to follow that, I would be happy? Um, yes. And, and that, was, that was the unconsciousness speaking. Everybody goes through this phase. Muji says, like, it's not your fault. 
that's the reality of this earth plane. And um, that's not the only reality. So that's the good thing. Um, and then I became kind of anarchist. I was like, this system is so dualistic. You know, we have two parties. So I was like, the system is so dualistic. Um, no one actually gets anything anyways, whatever, like screw all of that. But I was still like, even being an anarchist is being subscribed to the system. I'm sure you realize this, that if you're even being in opposition to it, you're still giving it force and power inside of your own mind. So you're essentially building up more hatred and more resentment. So um, most of us go through this phase as well. Like people who go um, switch another diet, switch another belief system, switch another everyone. And that develops an alter ego, like another identity that's fighting the initial identity, but it's also still an identity. And then, and then you're like, no, this is the way, like I meet a lot of people who like um, are into Kabbalah and they're like, this is the only, this is the first religion. This is the best one. I'm like, are you sure you get the religion? I'm, I'm like, are you sure you really understand what the religion is about? <laughs> because all religions are about ego death, every single one. That's why I hate uh, any kind of frames even if it's uh, kind of positive, um, what, how it's called pendulum, yes, energy pendulums. Uh, some society, some group of pe- uh, people who think that this is uh, the truth and the only truth, Kabbalah or something else. That's why I'm. Uh, I don't want to um, position myself as the only yoga teacher or only musician or only one uh, field of philosophy or even enlightenment. For me, the word enlightenment sounds too angelic and too light, lighty. We are kind, we are, we are loving, and that's all. I like this term, the shift of consciousness, because it's really a shift of consciousness. Perspective shift, I like. I like perspective shift. Yes. For me, these words express much better what is uh, the truth. Mm-hmm. Because as long as we are searching for happiness outside, from buying some things, consumerism, this kind of things, as long as we are searching, we won't uh, come to ourselves. And the main thing is that sooner or later, after maybe we will reach all heights, we will be famous and rich, but we won't be happy with this. There are a lot of um, examples when rich, famous people committed suicide and was taking drugs and so on. So only one, uh, I, I know that only one true way is to start with yourself and ask yourself some very simple questions. <laughs> Who am I? What I'm doing? What I'm thinking? Is this for real? Is this real? And the practice of lucid dreams, dreams and out-of-body experiences helps a lot because uh, in t- 2014, I had my first out-of-body experience and I was training myself by technique. I learned it because there are a lot of masters who teach you how to live your body in a dream, uh, in this uh, rapid eye movement uh, phase mm-hmm. and uh, I tried, tried and one day um, I was just like I uh, stand from bed and then I look 
on the bed and I see my body lying on the bed and I was uh, shocked. I was so shocked, but I understood that I'm not a body at that moment. So it happened seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And after this, I started um, asking myself if this reality is also real, maybe this is a dream as well. And now when I'm in this state of uh, conscious, I can clearly identify that this is also illusory and this is not for real. We have a different types of dreams. Nights dream, <laughs> daydream, <laughs> and the deep state of dream when we have no dreams. We're not seeing dreams, the mm-hmm. deep phase of sleep. The dreamless state. It's a dreamless state, yes. And when we die, we will uh, surely understand that it, it was just a dream and it was just in second. Mm, history of time, and then we will realize that it was just like some kind of <laughs> dream, very short dream. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, I have a question. Yeah, so um, recently I've been having this issue. I think you would have more clarity on it. Um, I still have fear of my dreams, even though I'm not necessarily attached to the stories in reality, I can easily say, nope, yes, no, yes. But in my dreams, I don't really have discernment. So my ego still kind of reacts in my dreams. In dreams. Yeah. So I don't know essentially. Maybe it's, uh, you know, our subconsciousness uh, is cleansing of a different kind of mental garbage. I think in dreams, some cleansing happens. In reality, no, and in dreams, yes, and that's why some fears arise. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I'm not like terrified of it, but you know, it's it's also the perfection comes in. It's like, yeah. in reality, I'm doing <laughs> And it's like, I don't want it to come. And I, I guess a part of our, a part of us always does want good. The human, the, the man aspect always wants good because that means survival. But the divine part doesn't care. And I'm trying to tap in more to that in my dreams. Um, it's a little more, diff- it's, it's more, it's more easy in waking reality because of the practices I do meditation exercising art you know just being present but in my dreams it's sometimes like I wake up in a little bit of like heart racing um I do think it's very natural though I think also I think a lot of people experience anxiety upon waking up um maybe the maybe the blood I want to talk about this a lot because this this is like this is something that's really serious for me um I usually I have one trick for this, actually. So when you wake up, you um, actually have low blood sugar. So that's also a, a symptom. The the animal aspect kicks in and says, you need to run, you need to find food. So that's one part. Yeah. And the second part is the fact that you're going from unconsciousness to consciousness. So from dream state to waking state, also dream. But... Yeah. <laughs> um, so that shift might also be sending, triggering your nervous system. Yeah. So the one thing that I started doing is just shake your whole body when you wake up. Just start shaking everything. Like just start twisting and shaking, shake your head. And you will see that that whole reaction subsides. Wow. And this, this goes from, I know you study the vagus nerve and um, nervous system regulation. So I learned that actually... 
when you wake up in such a state, your animal wants to run. And it's accumulating this internal energy, racing your heart. So you need to act like you're running and shake. You need to like move your body and, and give your, and trick your mind, give your mind the impression that you are running and you will become. Yeah. yeah, I should try this as well, because as uh, uh, when we are waking up in the morning, we open eyes, and immediately uh, ego is uh, um, is beginning to talk to us. And here in the morning, also practice. It's um, very good to think about yourself in the third person. Like Lisa woke up, Lisa is uh, brushing teeth or eating breakfast. Like Lisa is going there, Lisa is making this. And this is also trains this um, separation with personality because I think it's the main task to stop suffering to cleanse of all traumas is to realize that this is only construction, which is not natural. Mm. Yeah. And body yes. also can help us to make this reprogramming. And that's why practicing it is important. I don't think it's necessary because some uh, people awaken spontaneously. They don't even know what is Kundalini Yoga, for example, but it yeah. happens naturally. And they say that it's easier for those people who are working with their hands in a moment, like musicians who play guitar and they can come in some kind of trance state when they hear it now. And this is practice. This is dynamic meditation as well. So I would advise people to uh, search for the instrument which they will prefer and which will actually work for them because it's different. I guess that no, 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 no not everybody <laughs> will like Kundalini Yoga as I do, but this is perfect instrument for me and I don't want to even try something else because it works and when it works it's okay. If someday I will understand that I don't need this, I won't mm. be doing this. It will be doing someone something else, for example. Yeah. So I love that advice because you don't hear that from everyone. Usually people are like, do this, do this. I have this trick, you know? And the truth is that consciousness, um, it comes to people doing ballet. It comes to people who are cooking. It comes to people who are just driving their kids. It comes to people who are washing the dishes. It doesn't matter what you're doing as long as you're aware in the moment. And it can be yoga. I think yoga is just, the thing with yoga is that it's specifically designed to yes. release tension yes. from the muscles. So if you are experiencing psychosomatic like um, symptoms, such as anxiety, depression, um, like any sort of muscle fatigue or um, mental tiredness or lack of motivation, I do think that yoga was created for this specific thing mm -hmm. because it goes directly into the nervous system. Do I think there are other sports and like weightlifting is also very good for the nervous system. Um, so is running anything that goes within the the sensory neurons of your skin and the motor neurons and the interaction between the two and the movement of the muscles, any of that will facilitate deeper awareness. Yes. Um, 
I want to add here that also endocrine system, pituitary gland. That's why Kundalini Yoga works perfectly with this. And a pituitary gland controls all the glands in the body. It's the main command center and that regulates all hormones. And when we have balanced, naturally balanced hormones, we don't have to take antidepressants, for example, serotonin and this balance support. So it's naturally produced. And that's why, uh, for me, it was very beneficial uh, from this point of view. Mm-hmm. Your system and hormonal system, everything is easy. Mm-hmm. That's, that's you know you know when when someone says something and it clicks for the first time, like mm-hmm. that just clicked for me. Usually I'm like yeah whatever whatever pineal gland like all the stuff DMT, but now I was just like shit the way the way that you just said it um, made everything click for me. And um, Lisa said that the pituitary gland, which is actually where um, sometimes called the pineal gland, it, it, this is science. It controls your hormonal system, your endocrine system. It literally controls it. Do you understand that the point that you're focusing on when you're meditating controls your whole hormonal system and and controls and controls the um the messaging interlay system of your body so that just clicked for me because i had a little disconnection there um i i tend to not believe people online who talk about spirituality on like instagram and stuff because i feel like it's like some of those connections are pretty um like not legitimate but um when i see the science i believe it so um the one thing that clicked for me was peter levine's and um neil um what's his name oh bessel van der kolk he wrote the book you should read this the body keeps the score it's all about healing psychiatric symptoms um ptsd post-traumatic stress disorder with yoga, art, um, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is kundalini yoga, essentially. It's going back and changing your thinking patterns. Um, And I don't think that our psychiatric system is as evolved as these yoga systems. It's really really eerie because I knew that, um, I know that if if we had kundalini doctors instead of, this like branch of psychiatrics and, and, and whatnot, if we had people educated in Kundalini and those exercises, um, the world would look very different. I guess that at one uh, point of the development, the psychology works perfectly. But when you understand that this is only a work with personality, with mm-hmm. the role, with the actor, it mm-hmm. doesn't work when you are going deeper you need another instrument to help yourself to feel to connect with your inner self. That's why I'm. I think psychology is also good, and uh, there are various of fields, and there are, there are healers, Reiki healers, which works good if you believe as well. <laughs> I was healed once, and it was great. It works because I believe. I know that I healed maybe myself, uh, but. Uh, the fact is that um, when science tries to explain these things, uh, they are really like, how can I say? They cannot explain 
obviously. Maybe from the point of view of quantum physics only. And you know, in Russia, we have such a great master. His name is Salomat Sersikenov. He is a neurophysiologist and he is an enlightened person as well. And uh, he had uh, severe cancer and was nearly dead. But then he made this shift quantum shift of perception and healed himself and then he became a scientist and uh, was investigated this field how brain works when this shift happens how it works our frontal lobes uh, hypothalamus and all parts of mind to make uh, enlightenment not mythical somehow religious matter but the scientific one because it's much more modern than uh, gurus who are talking uh, with uh, some kind of symbolic language and because uh, modern people want to understand concrete facts and mm -hmm. uh, science can help hope Salamat Srisikhanov will make some kind of revolution I like to watch his uh, videos because he's really smart he's like a vocabulary <laughs> mm. Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely believe um, that neuroscience is almost at the precipice of reaching enlightenment. I think that neuroscience is getting there. I think that some aspects of it are there. It's just not ready, ready to be accepted by the public. Like you said, there's so many studies. Um, I've read a lot of journals, a lot of books about the default mode network and the prefrontal cortex and executive functioning and how that's actually the evolution of the human species. And um, when we're able to, awareness is located here. It's located here. Um, and the connection between the right brain and the left brain is supposed to be what facilitates that awakening experience. Mm -hmm. And that's when you connect the analytical side with the abstract side. That's how I understood it in scientific terms when I when I was like, like looking through all the scholarly articles, like, please explain this, like, you know, shaman awakening, all of this stuff. And <laughs> I saw that um, it's a very common experience. It's actually really common for people to have Kundalini awakenings. You said, right, sometimes people have it spontaneously, like they just um, have a spiral going up their back and culminating in the crown chakra. Um, when I had that um I was doing the kundalini pranayama. I was doing like lion's breath and all those things. I was intuitively called to do it because that's the only thing that would help me at that point. It really was. And then eventually it was like, boom, everything shattered. And like, and then ever since that, I've been like clearing out essentially the darkness and the trauma and the false perceptions. And what I want to say to people, and this is really important to me, is that it's actually not bad or sad or scary it's beautiful it's truly beautiful to see yourself becoming yourself um it's scary maybe for a month or two but then you start to see that you're only afraid because you were conditioned to be afraid yes. um yes and i do think that therapy is great for um, extracting stories and extracting the stories that you have in your mind about life and the world and people and your past. I do think that um, it's, it's up to you to turn all of that into something new. And that's what someone can't help you do. Someone cannot help you to, to 
form your new perspective. And I would hope that they can't because that would be another form of conditioning. So <laughs> that, that, that is where we need spiritual guidance. And that's where we need Kundalini Yoga. And that's where people need gurus and masters because the system is not equipped to deal with a new perspective just yet. Maybe in 50 years, all of this type of content and teachers and whatever. But right now, it's not essentially equipped to manage that. Um, there are a lot of when you reach a certain perception, you're attracted to different things. So follow your intuitive calls. If you're awakening and you don't feel like you resonate with any of the old information, trust me. And sometimes it will happen in magical ways. You will be drawn to the people and the things and the books that make sense to your journey. And that that is what will keep you going and keep you um sure of the truth I know that um I needed a lot of validation like I'm experiencing this did someone else experience this um <laughs> essentially I had to let go of that because I knew that my experience is unique um not in an identity way but in an awareness way it's like awareness is the same for everyone it's an awareness is absolute um what's relative is the shift from the identity to the awareness for all of us um, you, some people like, I would love to hear your opinion on this. Some people have to go through the mind to transcend it. Well, and some people can go around it. Well, those lucky, well. those lucky people, some people can just go around it. It's true. Some people can say, I know that this is a lie and completely like, like some people are just going through the mind and through every experience and through all of that mm -hmm. to get to here. And some people just go around it and get to here. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh. Mm, I don't know how it happens to me. Uh, to identify what is lies, what is truth, you mean? No, no, no. Like some people, um, some people just connect to consciousness and believe it 100%. And then some people need to go through all their mind and arguments and rationalizations and reasoning to get there. Um, I'm one of those people. I had to know every fact i had to know every other part, person every other um school of thought every belief system because i'm very mental like i'm an aries very um oh, i'm intuitive i'm more living uh, in trust and with my heart and my um maybe analytics as well is rather good but i'm mostly living with my right hemisphere brain more creative person and more poetic person and I wanted to um, add that uh, guidance is the best and the only um, true word for this process even uh, not a guru not a teacher because guidance is a support it's like some kind of help and mm -hmm. we can not we do nothing only guide other people if they want if they are ready and these people are, are should, should choose a master who is talking the same language with them to understand each other because someone will um, understand the language of yoga someone will understand the language of I don't know rock and roll karate <laughs> yes mm -hmm. The main thing is uh, the desire of a person to start developing. 
because mm -hmm. there is no desire and only this uh, like um, squirrel in the wheel issue when you, you have only daily tasks, uh, you have no possibility to stop until the illness or some kind of tragedy won't stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's what I was talking about, I think. The people who are able to bypass the whole mental discovery are people who have near-death experiences or they hit rock bottom or they have a drug overdose or any of those things. Those people just see how, how unnecessary the mind is and they start living in the heart. Um, I wasn't lucky enough to have that. I mean, I guess like <laughs> I had to like extract, <laughs> I had to extract every argument in my mind and counteract it with um, something aligned with self-awareness. Um, that journey is also beautiful. It's also because when you do get to that level of no, no thought, you're sure of it. You're 100% sure of it. Whereas some people who have experienced near death, they see that they have no other choice. <laughs> um, I think this is uh, explained by science as well, because do you know about the molecule DMT? Yes, yes, yes. Some people smoke it. Um, I heard about this, and this is um, the chemical um, thing, uh, which is, uh, is produces when um, we die in our brain. And when we die, we experience this uh, relief and these visions, and this is uh, because of DMT molecule. Mm -hmm. And that's why maybe this experience brings this wow, this like gates opening and they understood the reality as it is. Um, so someone uh, chooses uh, trips like LSD or mushrooms, uh, but from Salamat Sersikenev I heard that this is um, like false, false uh, way. So yes, 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 yes. Natural. It's the same condition is the same, but the way of achievement of this con condition is not natural, and that's why it's uh, destructive. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, damages, I heard this. Well. Damages our brain and enlightenment, and this condition, uh, natural, it doesn't uh, damage mm -hmm. so far. That's interesting because yes, I've heard of DMT and how it can show you your life in review and give give you the gift of discernment the gift of dmt is discernment that that's my own definition that's just what i've experienced <laughs> but um right now and i i think that there's like collective energy of awakening um i do think that you can have this dmt awakening consciously which is what you're talking about enlightenment is conscious awakening of dmt If you want, if you want, I'll write you a scientific paper. <laughs> and um, in this, in this way, you'll see everything. You see everything, and sometimes it's not pretty, but understand that it's a gift, and the gift is discernment, and you're able to um, see your, your, all your past decisions from a perspective of love. You're able to see through the eyes of God, essentially. And you're able to get yourself to that conscious state um, naturally. I think, I think that's, that's what yoga is about, personally. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. And of course, yes. I guess this podcast was less about the exercise than the practical things. It was more about like 
no one talks about enlightenment. No one talks about this spontaneous awakening. Everyone just says they woke up and, and they were a new person. No one says what the process is. No one says what the hard work is, what the um, non-near-death experience process is. Yet everyone's pushing it on you. It's actually a lot of pressure, <laughs> you know? It's like, awaken, awaken. And everyone's like, how? Like, what do you want me to do? They're like, follow your intuition. But no one knows where their intuition is. Like, it's not, it's not, it doesn't have a place. I, so. I think uh, the best advice for people, if they want to awaken, is to leave their expectations and don't have such bold attempts. Uh, don't try to fastener this process because we cannot control it. But um, what I should say more is that when you are on this way and the information came to you, you are on the right way. And it can, and from this, since this moment, it can happen each day. So I'm not waiting. I'm just, maybe I will, uh, I will be sleeping or maybe I will be sitting on my toilet and after relaxation, I will enlighten. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> to stop suffering because the most um, like popular goal of uh, willing to achieve enlightenment is to stop suffering. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it's much um, natural way and the highest goal of um, each person because we have nothing to do here if we achieve this, if we uh, remember who we are. The game over. <laughs> <laughs> I love saying that. game over. Yes. We're very similar in terms of mindset. Like we're kind of just like, if it comes, let it come. You know, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna do things to chase it because that's my nature. But <laughs> it's only gonna come when it wants to come. And it mostly comes when I completely surrender. So what you said about um, sexuality and orgasm is that with an orgasm you're completely surrendering. Yeah, completely surrendering. And I think the secret recipe is actually surrender. You surrender to the, the power of not knowing. Um, not only are you opening your mind, but you're also invoking this energy of change. So you cannot change if you have a um, fixed mindset. You can only change if you have a flexible mindset. So a flexible mindset, in my opinion, is attained through obviously having different influences, intellectual influences, um, following different people on social media, um, listening to new music. These things start to give you a more flexible mindset. And um, I, I don't believe that you have a cemented mindset after age, whatever. Like I've seen 50 year olds completely change their lives. It's not, that's, that's all propaganda. I don't like that. Um, you can change whenever you want. The mind is not so rigid. I think it's it's flexible in mm -hmm. at any age. I guess. I Listen, I I have question to yourself. What are you thinking about uh, the concept of reincarnation, karma? What is your mm, reincarnation and karma? 
Well, I've definitely done some past life like discovery. I haven't gotten very like concrete answers ever. Um, just that definitely a very old soul. Definitely been around the block. <laughs> uh, I've definitely done a thing or two. I have I have weird ties with sexuality from my past lives, and I see that it's like um, for sure an issue that surfaced in my earlier life before age twenty three. So I definitely knew that in my past lives, that was my karmic tie, sexuality and self-love. I see the two as related. Um, and I also felt a tie to my feminine energy being repressed and always wanting to like come out. And, and I, I blame like the witchcraft and the, the Catholic religion and political oppression of women just in general. Um, that was also something that came up and I knew that that was past life. Um, yes, I believe that when we're awakening, we're burning our karma away where you burn your karma when you leave past perceptions behind and because karma is also thought forms. So when you burn those thought forms away, you essentially clear your karma for the future and, and for future lives as well. Um, I think I don't believe in past life, future life. I think everything exists on a continuum. I, um, the way that my mind understands it better is in concepts. Like this concept is karma. I'm working on this. Mm-hmm. And and then another branch, like this is my feminine karma. I'm working on this. I don't like to think about things and like this was here and then that's there. Yes, uh, it's a very human uh, type of thinking, I guess. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... Outside of a outside of a mental landscape, if you're looking at spiritual, um, I don't think karma exists on a timeline. I think it exists. <laughs> I think karma is collective. There's individual karma. There's in uh, collective karma. Then there's like the karma of a nation. There's a karma of a gender. So you have many karmas inside of you, and the more you burn away those. Um, labels that contain their own karma, like being American is karma, being Russian is karma, <laughs> having um, tragedy. It's a tragedy. Yes, don't get me wrong. That one, that one was not easy. This is Sparta. Yes, and it's it's okay. Like it's okay to have karma, and it's okay. Um, just and I don't like the word negative karma or good karma. Like, I disagree mm-hmm. with that. Because when you see it as negative or positive, you're already constricting yourself to judgment and self-defeat and self-rejection. And that doesn't work for me. So (laughs) I see it as like, okay, this is that, I'm done with this. This is that, I'm done with this. This doesn't work for me. This works for me. This feels good. I I don't see it as like, like some people see karma as dimensions of heaven or hell. Like um, good is closer to heaven and then bad is closer to hell. But I kind of like to think that if you're even thinking about your karma, you probably have good karma, you know, <laughs> in general. Uh, okay. Very nice. I think <laughs> I guess that um, the wheel of Sansara uh, really exists because uh, game is over after we awaken. There is no sense sense continue. And about karma, I think um, it's like energetic gestalt that 
um, remains after we leave our bodies, mm-hmm. some kind of uh, experiences which are not um, finished and they like are waiting somewhere, Akashic like Records or somewhere in the space, this kind of energetic gestalt is waiting for the new body to pour inside this body and this body um, begins to fulfill some kind of credits that were uh, like worked out in previous life, but not the life of individual, maybe it's only global experience. When I was uh, under this uh, regressive uh, hypnosis, I clearly saw that I was a man, man. that I was a man, <laughs> and that I was living in California in the 70s, and I was hippie, mm-hmm. yes. I saw my arms, I saw my long hair, yeah, and uh, I think it, maybe it's possible I have these memories, and sometimes in my dreams, I see them as well, and uh, this is a very weird dreams because usually we perceive dreams from the point of view of this personality, Lisa, and there I understood that I'm man, and I saw my hands and so on, so I do believe in reincarnation. Also, Jan Stevenson uh, researched this issue a lot, and he was traveling all over the world and collecting stories of uh, little children who remember their best lives mm. between the age of five they can remember and then they they are got after the personality new personality is attached to them so he stated all this um, let's say maybe not improvements but some kind of clues to what is happening really and even my friend her little son uh was telling her that he is from Australia mm. and she was really shocked because he never heard about Australia even he couldn't hear it from anywhere and he was little little just like where am, where am I why am I I'm not in Australia and so on so I think this um, karma exists and uh, after this, we have other types of um, experiences, like quest, quest. Yes. Yeah, I, I do think that I was a man in another lifetime, probably. And that's probably why I have to deal with the feminine side now and the sexuality yeah, side. Yeah, it's the same thing. And I'm um, sorry if I interrupted you, but um, I had no willing to, not to be a uh, woman, but... I'm, I'm not uh, concentrated on the uh, children issue, family issue, getting married. I don't want this. I want to love, yes, and maybe have, uh, I want to have some relationships, but I'm not afraid to never have a child. I have other tasks and have very interesting lives, so perhaps I'm not worried, worried about this, like a man generally. I think this is more inherent to men than to women. <laughs> yes. Um, I, yeah, I do think there's an element of balance to karmic reincarnation, that once you have one, then you have the other, and you balance it out, and then you go back and you do the other, and you do the other. Um, I don't know. That's It's all fascinating to me. I, I don't have conclusive results, but I don't need them because I just think 
it's all so amazing. Like the fact that like I used to have this not not self-hatred, but like I didn't like the way my body appeared. I didn't like the way it looked. But now I'm just fascinated by my body, just like the way that it can move and the way that I can think and the way that I can make myself appear. I just I'm so fascinated about it. Um, I do think I'm still angry at people who made me feel otherwise. I think that's something that I have to work through. But I am more and more fascinated with like the fact that you have skin and it absorbs water and that these things move and like your head, your, did you know that your nervous system moves at 268 miles per second? It's faster. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's it's not the speed of light, but essentially your nervous system is very, very fast. And these are things that we're not even listening to or looking at. So the more you can get um, into your, I know you do a lot of work like this too, like into the organs and, um, specific organs actually store specific emotions. Like I know that the liver is actually pain and grief. So that's why alcoholics drink um, alcohol. It's due to grief and pain. And every organ of our body stores a different emotion. Hold on my computer. And yes, so these things, once you start to see the body as a beautiful hold on once you start to see the body as a beautiful transmuter of energy I would say if you see the body as a transmuter of energy and um, I don't know I just I'm honestly like speechless because every day I'm fascinated like I learned something else about the body or the mind or the connection and, and I'm not out there anymore like you said like you don't care what's happening with COVID and quarantine like mm-hmm. I don't care because I'm so inside of my body like just feeling feeling um in asanas yoga poses I feel um I feel like a continuation of energy I no longer feel like my body ends here or my soul ends here. I just, I feel like a continuum of energy. Um, And yeah, I don't know if this kind of, maybe we're just really out there, Lisa. (laughs) But um, I do think there are a lot of people who are more awake than they give the appearance of, because once again, it's, it's kind of looked down upon. It's, not socially acceptable yet um do you have any last words of advice for people who are just starting out yoga or starting out um the inner quest and maybe only one advice um for me so simple Uh, not to be afraid to ask questions, not to think what other people will think, not to be afraid of death because it doesn't exist, not to be afraid, uh, not to not to be afraid of not achieving something in this life, but because it doesn't matter actually. Mm-hmm. No success, no achievements, no big money. They are not the point of happiness. 
and um, choose your own practice which you will choose with your heart because you need to try uh, different kinds of practices and um, when you will when you will realize, realize that you are not only body not only personality you will become free okay that was a beautiful episode it's almost two hours long um, I feel like we could just talk all day probably and um, that's why I love these kind of episodes because you really see what spiritual people are talking about the kinds of conversations you wish to have with your close friends and family and with um, you wish to see on the TV. And the truth is that you can, you can have all of those things if you create that energy around yourself. And this is a segue into creating the energy around yourself and vibrating with the same similar people, similar interests. Um, I, I wish that it was more socially acceptable to hear more content on awakening but then again that would be counterintuitive to the way everything's set up so unfortunately that's just how it's set up and we all do our little part in um, what we can do what resonates with our soul and this definitely resonates with my soul and this hopefully resonates with lisa's soul um she's been such a great guest on here definitely bringing in like cool grounded energy um i haven't had any foreign people really on the podcast so this is like the start of a new branch of communication which is beautiful um hopefully we'll do more content maybe we can do like an instagram series with people um, on the nervous system on the vagus nerve or on kundalini yoga i would love to do that um thank you so much for being here thank you for having me i will come to new york to meet you personally <laughs> one day i believe so if i win green card i will surely come to new york first <laughs> If I'm, if I'm still here, I'll meet you. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Liz Soko podcast. Um, you can catch Lisa Grail on Instagram, um, her recording company called All Right Music, and her Kundalini videos under Lisa Grail YouTube channel. You can catch me on my YouTube channel, Liz Soko, or my um, social media channels as well. I've been investing some time into TikTok. You can purchase my book, The Heart Thinks, on Amazon if you're interested in enlightenment poetry. And catch us next week for more um, interesting guests on these kinds of topics. And thanks for stopping by and listening. If you've listened up until now, you're a champion. And I love that you're here. Thank you.